Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, the former Newcastle and Palace midfielder Darren Ambrose and TalkSport's Alex Crook as City and Liverpool continue to slug it out at the top and the Champions League chase goes goal crazy. We focus once again on the race for the top four. Chelsea two, Arsenal four. Huge win for Arsenal who go level on points with Spurs in the top four. Arsenal right back in the Champions League race. Chelsea 2, Arsenal 4. And the top four race has yet another twist. Full time, Tottenham Hotspur 0, Brighton and Hove Albion 1. Fresh from their capitulation at Anfield, United go to Arsenal, who benefited from some rugby defending to beat Chelsea at the bridge. That's live on game day. Also today, we're going to look at the Merseyside derby, Burnley's well-planned transition from Sean Dyche. Right. Uh, Chelsea try not to get hammered at home again. Newcastle eye up a top 10 finish and Leicester Villa, Brighton and Saints fight it out for the most meaningless fixture of the weekend. It's all on the podcast that like Andreas Christensen has not got a contract, is touting itself around a little bit to the big leagues but he's more likely to sign for Bradford. It's the game day podcast from TalkSport. This is game day. Hey, hey, boys, Darren Ambrose is here. And, of course, it's Newcastle's Darren Ambrose now because uh, they're going great guns, isn't it? And Palace are out of the FA Cup. They're not going to get to the FA Cup final, so uh, it's it's black and white rather than blue and red for you now. <laughs> Honestly, what a song that is to come out to, by the way. That was brilliant. When that used to play, I used to absolutely love rolling out at St. James's Park. But... I'm so happy for Newcastle, actually, and for the supporters. I think I've, I've spoken about this before, that if there's ever a fan base that deserves this after 10, 12 years of, of hurt, basically, it's Newcastle. And Eddie Howe, and, and Crookie was a big um, advocate of Eddie Howe's on, on the boot room with, with us, and he's done such a great job, and he could potentially finish in the top 10, which is... It's remarkable if you think about it. I backed Newcastle when they were on one point before the takeover. I just felt that I, I didn't see a team that would go down. I thought they were worse teams. They weren't picking up results, okay, but they were worse teams in the league. But credit to Eddie Howe, he's come in, he's turned it around. I mean, even even the pictures they have at the end, I know Crookie probably will tell you that they used to do that at Bournemouth, but it was never really u- utilised and used on social media, but now it is. And it just shows the togetherness of Newcastle and, you know, what, what a turnaround Eddie Howe has, has done there. Yes, and conversely, Crook and I have had a interesting week. <laughs> Chelsea's defending against Arsenal was so rank it was uh, not even worth getting angry about. It was laughable. Just like laughable. 
Uh, Rudiger missing. Fair enough. Thiago Silva didn't start. They've just gone to pieces, Chelsea, at the back, especially at home. Did kind of give me a little bit of an inner smile, though, because Crook has been suggesting that Eddie Nketiah is not the answer for Arsenal. Uh, and he was mulling over his new contract and then helping himself to two goals. So I was quite happy about that. <laughs> He's still not the answer, let's be honest. He benefited from some very generous defending, to say the least. But I've got to say, it's nice to see somebody on this podcast with a smile on their faces being able to talk glowingly about one of their former clubs, a club close to their heart. The complete opposite to me when it comes to once mighty <laughs> Manchester United. I'm sure we'll come on to that. Did you know that Crook had a family party on Tuesday night where he dressed all his kids up in Manchester United kits? Uh, all eight of them. It was a them. Halloween party. Yeah, he sat them in front of the TV, made them watch that horror show. Um, yeah. Have they recovered yet? Well, <laughs> incredibly, uh, my oldest boy still said to me a couple of days ago, can we, can we all go to Old Trafford soon? <sighs> if we have to. Uh, I put on Twitter, because I don't know if you saw the interview with Ralph Ranyuk before the game. He said beforehand, look, yes, we've uh, we've sat down, we've shown them some video before the match, right? I asked on Twitter, what was on that video? And uh, the responses were brilliant, as you can imagine. Uh, the last tango, says Michael Blakesley. Uh, the Father Ted walking football episode, by the looks of it, said Adam <laughs> Collins. Titanic was a popular response. Clarkie said... Bambi and Revo said well it must have been a sex tape because all I can see is us getting right let's get to the weekend games <laughs> we focus once again on the race for the top four Arsenal right back in the Champions League race level with their North London rivals Chelsea 2 Arsenal 4 things you can say about Manchester United at the end of this game no fight heartless where's the desire full of quitters Stay away, Eric Ten Hag. It has happened. Manchester United have a new first-team manager, Eric Ten Hag. The Champions League brings, first of all, the club much closer to where we want uh, and to play in the competition that has a, a huge history relation to our club. Martinelli, 2-0! Beautifully taken, Sancho with a low shot, and Jadon Sancho makes it 2-0! Let's start with Arsenal against Manchester United. Uh, this used to decide the league. Now it decides who gets to go last in a game of Uno. Um, it's 12.30 on Saturday lunchtime. Now, Crook, no ranting, no detailed, boring discussions about stuff we all know. Just tell us how Manchester United can win this game. Because oddly, I think they'll get something from it. Well, I think the key is Ronaldo. Um, is he in the, the right mental place to be able to play. I think he has now returned training and we should say our thoughts will go out to him um, after such a tragedy. Uh, really puts the small business of winning and losing football matches into perspective. It does and Liverpool handled that brilliantly I thought and I think you know a, a lot of credit must go to their supporters the way that they mm. responded to that on Tuesday night. 100%. Um, obviously it's a big grudge match it's a big rivalry but I thought that was a, a classy gesture uh, from all inside Anfield. Um, but back to the game on Saturday, I think the only way United stand any chance of winning is if Ronaldo can uh, perform and can come up with one of those big moments that he's offered time and again this season, really. I mean, a lot of people still suggest that Ronaldo is the problem. Um, <laughs> I dread to think where United would be without Ronaldo, to be honest. What team are they going to pick? You know, I mean, <laughs> how, how can you make a case for leaving any of the outfield players from midweek in the starting lineup for this game 
on Saturday. It was such a, a wretched, gutless, soulless, spiritless, any word you want to use performance. None of them can seriously knock on the manager's door and say, I deserve to play on Saturday. Darren, look, you've probably been involved in performances similar to that. Not Maybe not exactly like that, but you've probably been in a, around a team where things have gone that badly. And actually, quite often, the next game is, is a reaction to that. And there is a sort of almost like a pride thing that kicks in that we've got to prove that we are not this abject failure that everybody is painting us as. Now, I think they'll make several changes, actually. I think they kept Jane Sancho behind for this game at the weekend. I think they kept McTominay protected for the weekend as well. And this is a team, actually, for all the criticism that, in particular, he has got and Fred have got, this is a team that actually really miss Fred and McTominay when they're not in the starting lineup because nobody else can play midfield. Yeah, I, I echo what Crookie said, really. It was absolutely horrendous watch. I mean... <laughs> I don't know what to say about Manchester United anymore because I, I grew up as, as we all did in the era where they were dominating and that's why it hurts Crookie so much, of course. But it looked like they just didn't try. It looked like they gave up. And you look for a reaction off, off a team and you don't seem to be getting it off of Manchester United. Okay, they, they scraped a win against Norwich. But before that, losing to Everton, we expected a reaction. Okay, like I said, they got the, the win, but it wasn't a reaction in terms of performance. The players just don't look happy. Uh, and and I heard, I think it was Roy Keane talking about it, that every player, nearly every player you hear, wants to leave Manchester United. They want to get out the door. And I can't fathom that because when I was a player, like I said, a Manchester United growing up, everyone wanted to play for Manchester United. If you were there and you wanted, and like, it was looking like you was going to leave, Everyone, like people are gutted, be gutted to leave a football club like that. So I just don't see a reaction off of Manchester United. I, I, I don't see them getting anything out of this game. I really don't. I think Arsenal, off the back of a great result, will look to put it on Manchester United. And I think they'll bottle it again, United. Well, actually, you know, Arsenal did very well in terms of changing their formation, going to a back uh, three utilising what they had because they're obviously very light in terms of numbers and that is out of choice rather than anything else. I mean, you do you do wonder whether or not they can sustain that for the rest of the season. Obviously, they haven't been able to sustain that even in recent matches. They've been very up and down. They aren't a particularly... They're not a brilliant team. They're not a consistent team, Arsenal. So you can see them going into this match against Manchester United and, and being the complete opposite to what they were on, on Wednesday night when they did get a, a relatively good helping hand from, from the Chelsea defence. Um, but Jesse Lingard called it a free hit. What does he mean by that, Crook? He called this game a free hit. He called the Arsenal game coming up a free hit. I don't know what he's talking about. In, in what way is it a free hit? Manchester United have ambitions to be playing in the Champions League next season. To do that, they have to win every game and that probably still won't be enough. So in what way is it a free hit? Is he saying that Arsenal are a better team than Manchester United and therefore United are underdogs? It's absolutely garbage. And it's, you know, his performance in midweek was garbage as well, by the way. Stop yep. talking nonsense and stop being so rubbish. Yeah, you look at you look at. I mean, one of my former clubs, I'll say Crystal Palace. If they're playing Manchester City or or Liverpool, you'd say that's a free hit. Yeah, not not Manchester United versus Arsenal. That just emphasises and amplifies my point that I made earlier that the players have given up. They know they're not good enough to to compete. Yet they're still in the top four race. It, it's incredible how mediocre the top four race has been albeit exciting because for the particularly a neutral I'm not neutral with Spurs crookies with Manchester United so it's not neutral for us but for the neutral must be exciting because no one seems to want this top four 
and to say to say it's a free hit, it, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous comment. Um, we should talk about Arsenal because uh, they've still got to win this game um, because they're going toe to toe with uh, Tottenham Hotspur, with Brentford, and we'll talk a little bit about that, that game in just a second. But uh, they need to make sure they put three points on the board. They need goals. Eddie and Ketty obviously has scored some, although goals have been a bit of a problem over the course of the the last uh, few weeks and months. They probably won't be on Saturday against uh, Manchester United. Although I do believe, I still believe for whatever reason, I think because Ronaldo, Sancho and McTominay are going to start the game, I think that they'll get something from this game. Uh, Crook, what Manchester United are going to do, have done by the time you hear this podcast, is they're going to try and distract you from the absolute disaster which has been their season by announcing a new manager. That's going to happen probably before the weekend, isn't it? Yeah, Eric Ten Hag uh, signed and sealed. I think he's bringing his assistant from Ajax as well. Can Obviously he bring we... all the players? Is that possible? <laughs> well, I'd love him to bring Edwin van der Sar. Uh, to be honest, that would be uh, that would be the best addition. But at the moment, no sign of that happening in terms of him going into the boardroom. Uh, I think the rest of his backroom team is is still to be decided. Uh, I'm not sure Mike Phelan is going to survive this particular managerial change. If indeed he is, uh, is he if he's come there? out from hiding in the dressing room at all. Um, £200 million is the figure that I've seen banding around in terms of what Ten Hag will have to spend in the summer. Doesn't seem a lot when, as Darren Ambrose has already alluded to, I think they do need double figures in terms of arrivals. It probably won't happen. I think they'll probably sign half a dozen. But they need to get the right characters. And I think, actually, they could probably learn some lessons from their opponents on Saturday because Arsenal's policy last summer of investing in youth players, clearing out the deadwood, clearing out the troublesome characters uh, in the dressing room as they did with Aubameyang in January, has paid dividends. That's the reason that they're competing for the top four. If they don't make the Champions League, I don't actually think that will be um, a massive stain on Arteta's character because I think they're probably further ahead in their development than they probably expected because I think the young players have bedded in more quickly. I think they've got some tremendous characters there and they've taken advantage of the fact that United in particular have been so abject. So That's not what you were saying a couple of weeks ago when they had the top four in their hands and then they surrendered it and he'd got rid of half of the dressing room. They were light in terms of numbers. They are, they are light in terms of numbers, but you can see the project Okay, and I know you hate the phrase. Oh, you can see what they're the, doing now. Trust the process. I think you can. And I think it's the only way that United move forward is, is to bring in young, hungry players who want to play for the badge. And whatever you say about Arsenal, and listen, they're not the finished article by any stretch of the imagination, but you look at Aaron Ramsdale, you look at Ben White, that type of character, they want to play for Arsenal. They're proud to wear the badge. That isn't the case in the Manchester United dressing room. This morning on the Talk Sports, we can announce it. It has happened. Manchester United have a new first team manager. Eric Ten Hag has got the job. No real shock uh, in that news because I think we've known for a while now that uh, Ten Hag uh, would be the latest chosen one to come into the corridors of power at Old Trafford and take on what has become a bit of a poison chalice, you have to say. Irrespective of what club he's managed, irrespective of how big Ajax are in the Eredivisie, they are a minnow in comparison with the expectation, focus and absolute drill down on Man United. Of course, he doesn't have experience with the Premier League and maybe the magnitude of Man United, but he's a quite down-to-earth guy and I think he, uh, he can handle it. The things that are going in his favour, he's gone in in a strong position and he's going to want my own scouts, my own recruitment. I think it's a good appointment.
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. QMS Exodus from around Stamford Bridge. Brentford 2, Arsenal 0. The bees are buzzing. Brentford 3, Liverpool 3. Ericsson! Christian Ericsson scores his first goal for Brentford. He pulls it all the way back to Sean with a shot. It is four. It is exhibition stuff from Tottenham. And the top four race has yet another twist. Full time. Tottenham Hotspur nil, Brighton and Hove Albion one. There are uh, now six games to go. There to be every game a final. Brentford against Tottenham is 5.30 on Saturday after we finished going round the grounds and we finished at uh, the Emirates Stadium. Tottenham, I think they sort of threw away a chance, didn't they, to take a firm grip on being in the Champions League places when they uh, lost to Brighton last Saturday. They didn't score or have a shot on target and Kane only had 27 touches and they did that very well by putting Yves Basuma uh, to work on the supply lines uh, for Tottenham Hotspur. Darren, that must have been quite frustrating for you, but actually it's one uh, bit of frustration that hasn't been sort of um, doing the rounds recently, isn't it? I mean, they're quite prolific Tottenham and, and I don't think Brentford will be able to keep them out. I mean, I hope not as a Spurs fan, but Brentford are on a, a good run as well, beating West Ham, Chelsea. They're, 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 they're playing particularly well. Uh, Christian Eriksen has brought in a real feel-good factor. But yeah, Spurs, it was massively frustrating. And a lot of people have spoke about it, this top four race. And when, when you think you've just got your hands on it in terms of Spurs... You let it slip again with Brighton, but credit to Brighton, they played well. You know, I gave Graham Potter a bit of stick a few weeks ago and uh, I was very much reminded over social media that How I said that you. after this game. How yeah, dare you? So, oh, that's because uh, you're Palace, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Well, in, in a way, yeah. Sometimes it's very way, difficult but... to keep up with the, the sort of tone you're coming from, with the angle you're coming from. Palace, exactly. Newcastle, exactly. Tottenham, you know. But it was frustrating. And I, I agree with you, it's Basuma. I think Basuma played that game fantastically well. He uh, nullified Harry Kane's strengths. Um, that That's when Harry Kane needs to do something different and he, he just couldn't in that game. To have no shots on target on the... Uh, in a home game, 
you deserve to lose. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's embarrassing stat to have, particularly when you're at home. But like you said, Spurs, for me, have got a, the best running, I think, from now to the end of the season. And I agreed with with Crookie a few weeks back. I, would, I said it would be a failure if, if Arsenal didn't make top four. And I still stand by that. On the flip side, I, I stand by Spurs currently. It would also be a failure where they currently sit if they don't make top four where they're running. Uh, well, the way Chelsea are defending at the moment, they might m- both make the top four. Uh, Tottenham have scored in eight of their last ten away league matches, so you'd expect them to register against uh, a Brentford team who love a London derby. They love a London derby. Now, we talked about characters and recruiting the right characters going forward um, for Manchester United. Arsenal, you, you've mentioned about them. Tottenham Hotspur face a little bit of an issue, don't they? Because in the summer, they've got to recruit probably four or five, maybe six new players. Uh, Peritici and Levy, Levy and um, Conte are going to sit down. They're going to discuss it. But one of the big things at the back of their mind, and this is probably part of the motivation, apart from some good performances over the course of the season by Oliver Skip, while he's got a new five-year contract, is because Tottenham don't have enough English players. Um, They're going to play in Europe next season. They may well be playing in the Champions League. could be the Europa League. But they're in a situation where they don't have too many or enough players that have the ENG next to their name when it comes to uh, a European competition. I think even Eric Dyer isn't listed as ENG. I think he's P-O-R for Portugal. So as a result of that, they need to start recruiting homegrown players as well. Crook, how, how, how do they go about doing that? Well, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you've got the age-old problem. I think they still need a backup option to Harry Kane. And, and listen, maybe somebody like Ivan Tony, who they're going to come up against this weekend, wouldn't be the worst show in the world. By the way, on that, you remember last week I mentioned that maybe Newcastle uh, could be showing an interest in Tony. That seems to be gathering a bit of momentum up yeah. in the northeast. I think he'll be a wanted man this summer. But would Ivan Tony go to Tottenham knowing that he's going to be second fiddle to Harry Kane? It's, it's the conundrum they've not really been able to solve for a number of years now. No, they need someone like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or Jesse Lingard that's happy to be on the bench and then come off the bench and prove their worth, don't they? Also, maybe even an ageing striker or a young pretender, I don't know. But they need someone who who will play second fiddle to him or occasionally can play alongside him, Darren. How do you manage that as a a manager? I mean, firstly, what they need is Harry Kane to stay and what they need is Antonio Conte to stay. And I think... Yeah, because if he doesn't get what he wants, he, he probably will go, won't he? Absolutely. At the moment, he looks happy. Conte, he looks happy. And I think as long as Conte stays, I think Harry Kane stays. I think he he likes, he loves Tottenham enough to to stay as long as the manager's showing ambition, which, which he will do, Antonio Conte. I think if you look at the Ivan Tony one, the only way I think he agrees to join if they if if he if he's not promised but he's told that Harry Kane is is dropping a little bit deeper and that's the only way but does Antonio Conte want to play that way I'm I'm not too sure for me and I've said it all along and I know Crookies we've gone back and forth over this and I know Southampton fans won't won't like me saying James Ward Prowse is ideal for Tottenham and I think he would if it was me it'd be my main transfer target in in the summer like you said English um, and to be honest, I think that would put him more in the the eye of a starting place playing for Spurs than Southampton. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is in England. And they're putting more in the eye of the starting place for the World Cup if he managed to, to get a club like, like that. That's 5.30 on Saturday, 2 o'clock on Sunday, Chelsea against West Ham. I mean, there's still a possibility that Chelsea could slip up enough to allow those two to overtake them in third uh, position. Uh, West Ham really have more important things on their minds, though, going into this weekend. Will David Moyes finally accept that the Eintracht Frankfurt game and the Europa League is just 
10 times more important than anything that happens in the Premier League now. They can't get top four. They can win the Europa League. Go and do it, and you're in the Champions League anyway, Crook. I hope so, uh, because they're not going to make the top four. I think it's a, a massive opportunity. I, I've been touting West Ham as winners of the Europa League for some time now. Darren Ambrose will testify to that. And I you shot you tell- down. I shot you, you down. Because I said Barcelona would definitely win it. Mm. Yep, yeah. So this is the dream scenario for West Ham. They don't have to meet Barcelona. It, it could well be uh, a battle of Britain in the final against Rangers. I personally think whoever wins out of West Ham and Frankfurt wins the Europa League. I think that's the stronger half of the draw. Just on Chelsea, though, Sam, I, I was with uh, a couple of Chelsea fans last night. I, I think as a fan base, they're still widely behind Thomas Tuchel. But if Roman Abramovich was still in charge at Stamford Bridge, the fact they're 15 points behind Manchester City... Um, the fact that um, they're out of the European Cup, they can't defend the Champions League. The fact they could well end the season trophyless because we would make Liverpool favourites in the FA Cup. Would he be under pressure Sorry. if Roman Abramovich was Sorry. still in charge? Just, just to just to clarify, when you say trophyless, do you not count the Club World Cup uh, and being world no. champions no. and being <laughs> UEFA Super Cup winners? You don't, you don't. Those two trophies, you don't count those, no. No, okay. I don't. Right. I don't. I okay, don't. just remember that. Just remember that you've said that, okay? Okay, so when you start talking about, you know, Manchester United's history and you're tossing up the number of trophies they've won, we'll take all those off. Um, but ultimately, this is a team that have only that will only end up not playing three games this season that they could have played. So they've been to the final of the League Cup. They've been to the final of the FA Cup. They've been to the quarterfinals, very close to getting to the semifinals of the Champions League. The only three matches that they won't play that they could have played this season are the Champions League semifinals and the final. Apart from that, they've gone the distance in every single competition. If you think it's a good idea to sack the manager right now... I'm going now, by previous standards. Right now, I'm not advocating well, his dismissal. Then, I'm asking then, the question. What a, what, 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 what a great benefit of the change of ownership that there would be a little bit more stability maybe going forward. Because that is one thing, actually, that may well end up coming out of it that is a, a benefit for Chelsea, the fact that they can build alongside Thomas Tuchel. Because if you think that switching Thomas Tuchel for somebody else is a good idea, then you are mad. Because I'm looking I around... I never said it was a good I'm idea, looking around at the form moment. as a football club. Well, OK, quite possibly that is true. But they get, they've got form for going out and getting the best in class elsewhere. Who is better than Thomas Tuchel that you can get your hands on? I think he's still the right man for the yeah, job, but exactly. I'm simply asking the question. Because the the only reason you'd advocate Chelsea sacking Thomas Tuchel is because that meant he became available for Manchester United when you inevitably sack Eric Ten Hag in about five months' time. Well, certainly you'll be on the, on the, on, on the megaphone <laughs> shouting for that, I'm sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Chelsea's approach then, because I take it they'll bring back Thiago Silva from the start. Uh, Rudiger had a little bit of a knock and wasn't available. He, he ended up being quite a big miss, doesn't he? I mean, he's a great personality in the dressing room. We know that. Um, and without him, they sort of lack a little bit of that sort of solidity. Huge, huge miss, Rudiger. It was poor, poor defensive display against against Arsenal. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping he comes back for Chelsea because, like you said, the top four race is open and I'm loving it. Top three looks like it's settled. I don't want Chelsea coming back into that top four race. Just leave the top three up there. So... Bring the um, the the good players back. Bring the defensive players back. I'm 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 very much for Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea as well. I I think he's fantastic. I think um, the way he's handled all situations this year has been a credit to himself. So um, yeah, Rudiger's a, a huge miss, and it, it's, it's looking like obviously he's heading out maybe in the summer. So yeah, it, it, they need to replace him. 
sharpish. Um, let's move on because uh, the title race is still neck and neck. Liverpool against Everton is 4.30 on Sunday. Good luck to Everton in this game because Liverpool will look as if they are in rampant form, ripping teams to shreds. And if they start on the front foot the way they did in the semi-final, Darren, then Everton, who, you know, can't defend <laughs> for Toffee, are in massive trouble. It could be famous last words, but I'm going at least 5-0 in this game. I think Everton... Got a good result, obviously, against Leicester, but they are nowhere near it in terms of Liverpool's quality. Um, I watched Liverpool, I covered Liverpool in the, the semi-final of the FA Cup against City, and they absolutely annihilated them in the first half. And I've never seen any team take it to Manchester City the way they did. And if they, they do that, the same thing, it's going to be good night in the first 20 minutes for Everton. Um, Look, on the flip side, Everton are still fighting for their lives, of course, so they're going to be trying as hard as they can, but I just don't think trying is going to be enough against Liverpool. I can see this being a big scoreline. Yeah, when they won at Goodison Park earlier in the season, it was their biggest away win in the Merseyside derby in 39 years. Um, I mean, Everton have hardly avoided defeat at uh, Anfield, and they're rubbish on the road, aren't they, Crook? They're dismal on the road. Is it still just a one-away win all season? I think it was a good point for them in midweek, having said that, especially scoring so late. That showed yeah. good character. But that's a home uh, Which is something that's been lacking. But it's at home, and I know you've been banging the drum for uh, the fact that Everton home and away are two very different beasts. They've lost every away game under Lampard so far. And they'll lose this one. Uh, because Liverpool have the bit between their teeth now that they are ruthless. You know, they showed no mercy to Manchester United. They showed no mercy to Manchester City, particularly in that first half at Wembley. And they'll show no mercy to their Merseyside rivals. So it will be a comfortable win. Uh, Mo Salah, that mini drought is over. He was absolutely exceptional um, in midweek. Certainly didn't look like he was uh, struggling with any confidence crisis, having failed to score from open play for a while. This is a case of how many Liverpool want to win. But I guess if you're looking for positives for Everton, it's the fact it comes ahead of a big Champions League game in midweek. So once they get to two or three nil up, they might just declare. Yeah, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is not available because he's got another injury and he's going to keep him out probably till the end of the season, last couple of games of the season. So they can't count on him anymore. So goals are going to be a problem. Not that he's been scoring that many anyway. But the good news was, and if you're looking for good news for Everton, Yerry Mina playing 90 minutes of that game against Leicester in midweek. That's really important because they're going to need his experience, aren't they, Darren? Yeah, I mean, in terms of experience, Yerry Mina, for sure they need him. But the one player that has come into the side that looked dead in the water, basically, is Fabian Delph. And I think he's made a big difference yeah, to them in, in the middle of the park. Definitely. And he, he was brilliant against he, Manchester United. He was brilliant against Man United. He, he done well again last night and he really keeps them ticking. And he, he does a job that people look at and don't give enough respect for that that job that Fabian Delft's doing. So I think he's been great with Charleston off uh, getting a goal again um, is is a bonus for them. I just, I, I can't see no matter what they do, they're going to like turn things around against Liverpool. I honestly can't. I think you talk of free hits. This is a free hit for Everton. Yeah, I mean, look, they're ruthless in front of their own fans as well, Liverpool. You think of the goals that they've scored and racked up against teams that have defensive problems and Everton certainly fall into that category. They don't have a great attack as well. They failed to score in six of their last nine away games in the Premier League, which is obviously causing them trouble. They have a four-point cushion to Burnley now. I think that goal was all important in terms of morale 
against yeah. uh, Leicester in midweek. And it may well actually help galvanise them to try and put up a bit of a fight. They might go three at the back, put Keane in there, play with uh, Coleman, Mina, Godfrey and Mikalenko, then Allen and Delph and maybe sacrifice one of the attackers and, and make it really solid and try and hold Liverpool off as much as possible. Again, it comes down to characters, doesn't it? And then Fabian Delph is someone who's been there, got the T-shirt. He's a Premier League winner. He's a tremendous pro. Um, I, I can understand why Frank Lampard has turned to him. Again, I'm fascinated to see what happens to Everton in the summer because I think they will stay up now. Four points is too much for Burnley to make up, especially as they don't seem to have an indication as to who their manager will be between now mm. and the end of the season. But what does Frank Lampard do in the summer? Because I, I don't think Everton... Um, Again, we'll loosen the purse strings. You've obviously got the situation with Usmanov, so he can't contribute financially anymore. They didn't particularly spend big last summer. Is there somebody there that he can cash in on? Richarlison has been linked with Barcelona in the past. He's not had a great season. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I know he's on Arsenal's long list, but again, you can't really justify paying big money for him based on this season. So I think Frank Lampard is going to have to be creative. And clearly, I'm not sure he can rely on Fabian Delph for another year yeah. uh, to, to, to bow them out. Well, you never know. They might be able to. Um, let's talk about Manchester City. They've got quite a tough game. They take on Watford. Um, <laughs> why are you laughing? Why is that funny? Well, it's going to be seven if they want it, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is. It really is. I went to uh, uh, the Etihad on Wednesday night to see them play Brighton and Hove Albion. And actually, Brighton did really well. They worked incredibly well on their shape. They kept changing. Graham Potter so intelligent, changing the formation all the time, trying to give something uh, for Manchester City to think about. And Pep just went like this. Yeah, all right, whatever. And then <laughs> it was so it was it was almost like they were playing in second gear, Manchester City. And they were always get, they got a bit of fortune about the first goal, but they yeah, they are a terrific football team, aren't they? And they're just a cut above. And you know, Liverpool have done fantastic to chase them down and to get into this position where they're only a point behind them. But I mean I mean Watford, I mean, if you're a Watford supporter, just just go do something else this weekend. Just think about doing something else. Just don't even avoid the result because this is going to confirm your relegation. It's going to make you feel awful. You can always say that um, teams down the bottom can put in a performance against top teams, especially when they're fighting for their lives. But the two games we've just spoken about, Liverpool, Everton and Man City, Watford, it's not going to happen. And if Crookie said and Liverpool declare basically two or three goals, this is an opportunity for Manchester City to make up some of that goal difference. I think they're, what they, six goals behind in goal difference. They can look to make up three or four goals in that. And I feel for Roy Hodgson. He's, he's put himself in this position where he didn't really need to. He, he felt he had the right squad, but maybe he might be ending his career on a on a relegation. Who knows? Roy, why didn't you just enjoy the sunshine in, in Portugal <laughs> or something like that? You know, why don't you get into a TV studio? Seriously, Roy, why have you put yourself yeah. through this? Um, it's not like they've got a history they can fall back on as well, Watford, is it? I mean, they've, they've lost the last... 14 meetings with Manchester City at an average of three and a half goals per game. <laughs> I mean, they're going to get absolutely rinsed. Including that FA Cup final. Was that seven in six, the end? Six, 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 six. six, six, six. Yeah, so I was yeah, really I gutted at that FA Cup final because Raheem Sterling really did get a hat-trick and Jesus nicked one of the goals. Yeah. He would have been the first player to get an FA Cup hat-trick uh, since 1953 when uh, uh, in that, the, the, the Stanley Matthews Cup final. So it, it was that was quite irritating because I called it at the time and then obviously it was t- taken off him later on in the day, which is really annoying. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned about um, Manchester City and it being goal difference. One of the reasons we had a discussion about Erling brought Haaland on, or Haaland, depending on where you're from, uh, on 
Wednesday night was because these marginal gains are going to be really important when it comes to the head-to-heads between these two teams over the next couple of years. You know, the fact that Manchester City trail Liverpool in terms of goal difference, they trail them in terms of their second in first half goals, second in second half goals, second in 76 plus minute goals, getting Haaland into the team. And he even saw it last night. They scored three against uh, Brighton, but actually they would have scored seven if they'd had a centre forward because they put such wonderful balls into the box. When they get him, it is going to be very difficult to contain this team because their firepower is going to go through the roof. Yeah, especially as there's a strong possibility they're going to win the league this year without a number nine. So uh, God help the rest of the division when they've got one. Having said that, as we've seen with Jaden Sancho, the, the Premier League is a, a different beast to, to the Bundesliga. There's no guarantee. <laughs> there's no guarantee that he'll come in and hit the ground okay. running. All right. Okay. 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 No one believes that. Uh, let's look at the bottom of the table. Pookie in the area. Pookie onto his right. Oh, was there ever any doubt? Headed in from close range, and it's a goal for Norwich City. Grant Hanley heads them in front inside three minutes. You know, to be fair to the players, they've kept working hard. They're a good, honest bunch. Slides in Willock. Willock inside the box. 2 0. What a counter attack from Newcastle United. And a diving header by Bruno with his second goal of the game. You know what? I think that Bruno is going to be one of the stars of the Premier next season. You know, when you look where we come from, some of the teams that we've been able to get near, full credit to everyone for uniting, coming together in this battle to stay in the league. It's been a great effort from everyone connected with the team. Okay, at the bottom of the table, uh, Norwich against uh, Newcastle is on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Burnley against Wolves is Sunday at 2 o'clock. Norwich, obviously, we all believe it, are down now. Um, By the way, if you you can't hear Crookie, it's because he's gone off to, to break... The Eric Ten Hag news that was in all the papers today. So he didn't really break yeah, it. Yeah, we binned, binned him off it's after just, the Holland shout. That was just, what that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> more, more accurate. Um, Newcastle United, 40 points. They're eyeing up a top 10 finish, Darren. This is, this is spectacular from Eddie Howe. Incredible. Incredible. Now, a lot of managers of the season, of course, are the ones that go for winning the trophies. They're at the top of the table. And of course, that's rightly so. But... He was basically ridiculed. I see a caller, um, and it was Jason Cundy, actually. I I watched a clip today, and the caller phoned in and said they'd like Eddie Howe to take over once the takeover has happened. And he got laughed at. I think it was Jamie and and Jason on Sports Bar. So they got laughed at, saying, you've got all this money and you want Eddie Howe. He's done a remarkable job and and fair play. He's come in, he's changed the whole atmosphere. I've got a few friends still living up in Newcastle, of course, big Geordie fans. And they just say the city is absolutely buzzing. Look, we're lucky. We've known him for a very long time. I've known him for 20 years now. And I I was under no doubt at all that he would go in there and make a massive impact. I know the type of character he is. I know how hard he works. If anybody's going to put their absolute everything into it, it it was going to be him. And look, hard work. He always says to you, if you have the, the the luck to speak to him he will say to you hard work is the only way out of situations like they were in and mm. everyone will talk about the fact they've spent some money yeah they have spent a bit of money they have there's no getting away from that but also he's improved the players that were already there and yeah. the way that they set the team up is impressive and that's why they've got the results they have and that's why that they are eyeing up a top 10 finish 
Thing is, he, he spent a bit of money, yeah, but he spent money. And when he spent that money, people were questioning his signings and questioning, mm-hmm. is he the right man to have this money? Because if you look at the, the signings, Dan Byrne, Chris Wood, Matt Target, uh, Bruno Gimmerice, that look, he's a face, turned out to be a fantastic player, but he wasn't v- renownedly known in the world of football as yet. He, he was a great player. He he's didn't a great hit player. the ground running. Let's not pretend he that he came in and started playing five games in a row. Again, though, that's that's your point you just made because Eddie Howe come in and he improved John Joe Shelby and John Joe Shelby kept Gimarais out the team, which is incredible. When you look at how he's playing now, you think, how did he not start the first four or five games? But it, it's what he's done. He's he's galvanised the whole squad, the whole city. Even, like I said, the, the pictures that I'm seeing people are calling them a bit cringe. I think it's fantastic and it's showing what a togetherness they have and hard work, as you said, um, beats talent all day long and we, and we know that and Eddie Howe seems I don't know him personally like like you guys he seems to be um, a very very well respected manager in the game and he works really hard he just loves football you can tell yeah and Norwich City obviously have had their, their, their troubles over the course of the season they will go to the championship next year just I mean obviously as an Ipswich town man you, you're, you're probably quite pleased about the fact they're being relegated are you uh, do you think they'll come back is there any chance that they can come back does does, does Dean Smith give them more of a chance of coming back. Yeah, of course. Dean Smith gave them a, a, a slight chance of staying up when he was appointed because of what what he can bring. And they did have kind of a mini revival, and they got out of the bottom three. But that was because games in hand. As soon as the games in hand took place, they were back to the bottom. So Dean Smith's a major factor that will get them competing in the championship, of course. And look, I've no doubt they'll be competing for, for automatic promotion next next season. Um, if not, hopefully they stay in the championship. Hopefully Ipswich get promoted in League One next season and they can finally meet themselves with each other again for after many, many years. Um, OK, let's turn our attention to Burnley Wolves and Michael Jackson is still in charge. Um, and Burnley, I mean, what, what are they trying to do, do you think? I don't really get it because they've, they've sacked Sean Dyche obviously because they felt as if they needed an upturn before the end of the season to try and rescue themselves. But they haven't really had a strategy to replace him. And you would have thought if they're going to make a big decision like that, it's because they had a Roy Hodgson, a Sam Allardyce, a someone who can come in Red Adair Mm. style and save the football club. But that's not there, is it? So are they just hoping that Mike Jackson can perform some sort of miracle? Or have they given up the ghost and they realise they're going down? I think they've given up. I think it's an absolutely ridiculous decision. And look, it, it, they only won four games this season. So if you look at it in that aspect, you think, well, it was coming, it was going to happen. But every pundit you speak to, every supporter really you speak to, says Burnley will get out of this because of Sean Dyche. To get rid of Sean Dyche and not have a plan or not have someone immediately coming in is absolute shambles of a decision. And that, it's, it's, that, still, it's still their fate. That, that said, you know, they may well be... Uh, by the time this podcast goes out, obviously it's the, it's a Thursday, so later on tonight, tomorrow morning, we might be looking back on it saying that they've beaten Southampton. But even so, mm. even if they manage to do that, you know, do you still think that there is no chance of them surviving? I, I don't personally know. I, I think the decision they made has, has sealed their fate to, to relegation. I think Everton will just have a little bit. I can see Everton winning one or two games and I can't see Burnley winning one or two games. And I think that's the big difference. It's a straight shootout between those two. And if whoever wins one, probably from now until the end of the season, will we'll stay up and could be, again, could be famous last words and Burnley could do it. But if they do, it won't be because of this decision they've made. I think that it was very hasty 
And um, I think they've that they basically given up, but they're hoping. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers haven't played since April the eighth. I mean, that's literally two weeks of doing absolutely nothing. So they're 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 well drilled and organised anyway. We know that about them because they've got a good coach who's done a fantastic job and has got to be up there as a contender. He won't win Manager of the Year, but we should be talked mm. about like that because of what he's done from the position that they were in after they changed manager and spent very little in the summer. So. Um, does that give you an advantage at this stage of the season, having that many days off? Or actually, can it sometimes be a bit of a hindrance when you're playing against a team that are in a rhythm? I mean, this is a quick turnaround for Burnley. I think it won't make a difference in this game, unfortunately. Um, I think Burnley need the results. But I, I agree with you. And I said at the start of the season, and, and I've said this many times before, I'm open to admit it, that I, I said Wolves could go down. I honestly did. So I've, I've been eating eating my words, eating humble pie from, from the moment they started the season, really. And if you look at the league table now, they could still make European football. It depends how West Ham go about it, whether they focus solely on the, the Europa League. They could still, that well, they three points behind, game in hand, that they could still make seventh. And like you said, he would then be in the conversation for manager of the year. It's, ne- it's never going to happen, Eddie Howe, Bruno Large, because it's the, the managers that, that win those trophies at the end of the season that normally win it. But brilliant job he's done there. I just don't think having the days off is going to make much of a difference in, in the game versus Burnley. Okay, let's uh, turn our attention to the last two games. Lucy, hello. Hello. You're, you're right. right. Yeah, you've done your quiz. Yeah, I have. Oh, you have? Yeah, I have. And now Crook's not here, so that's oh, a waste of my time, isn't it? Oh, no. Yeah, well, he ran off because uh, Eric Ten Hag apparently was more important than uh, talking to me and Ambrose about the upcoming fixtures. In Shambles. fact, we actually tried to uh, think of a way of previewing these two fixtures without really talking about them because, you know, ultimately, these two fixtures are quite pointless, aren't they? I mean... Yeah, Brighton against Southampton battle. I mean, Brighton might want to finish in the top half of the table. Fair. Um, and um, the other one, Leicester versus Aston Villa. I mean, you know, there's not much on it, is there? Aston Villa just trying to Nothing. get a little bit of they're, pride. They're Europa Conference, Leicester, so they'll, yeah, uh, exactly. they'll be going for that. They'll be going for that. Um, so, Lucia, what have you got for us? Can, can, can you help us through this little conundrum we're in? Well, what do you want to do? Do you want to do the quiz just between the two of you? And why don't we? Why don't we? Stuffing. He's not worth it. Yeah, he's great. Sorry, I thought the quiz was going to be about stuffing there for a second. I was going to say sage and onion. Packs up. That have won the quiz. Yeah. Go on then, start. Right, so this week's quiz is Saturday's fixture, Leicester against Aston Villa. Mm. And because there's only two of you, this is a free-for-all, okay? So as I ask the question, just jump in if you know. Okay. Rules are out the window. Oh, we like that. Oh. So, who am I? I was born on the 30th of November, 1960. I signed for my hometown club, Leicester, in 1977. And I failed to score in my first 10 games. Gary Lineker. Correct. It is. Get in. Get in. (laughs) This could be a big (laughs) scoreline. Can we carry this over to Sunday afternoon? Gary Lineker. Aston Villa was formed in 1874, but what was the club's original name? Um, Small Heath something. Alliance, Small Heath Alliance. That might be be Birmingham. Oh, is it? Oh, what? (laughs) Aston Villa. Small Small Heath Alliance is Birmingham, so I don't know why I said that. Uh, Well, we both went for Small Heath, and that's obviously not associated with Aston Villa at all. 
So did, did you have to do research for that one, Luce? <laughs> She's just trying to trick us. Oh, brilliant. Right. Don't know how much you guys have visited Leicester, but according to TripAdvisor, what is the first on their list of top attractions in the city? Um, Richard III's grave. It is. Is it? Well done, Sam. Yeah, it is. How? Uh, how, Sam? How? That's what happens if you're a real sad person. To be honest, there's not much else in there, is there, to visit looking at that list? I would have said the stadium. Surely that's up there. <laughs> Brighton against Southampton is 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Brighton have picked up more points in North London uh, than at home in 2022. Um, how do they beat Southampton? Because they're a very good team, aren't they, uh, Brighton? Actually, they're well well choreographed and you know they're well coached by Graham Potter. They are, they are. They've picked up some great, great um, results, though, Arsenal and, and Spurs. Um, and look, again, we, we, we're talking about free hits on this podcast. It was a free hit, Brighton Man City, and they didn't come through that. they done well in the first half. I think if they play like they did in the first half against Southampton, they'll cause them a lot of trouble. Um, it will be a good game. It always is. Brighton-Southampton, bit of a rivalry down there. So um, this is one that obviously Crook would love to be speaking about, but he's, he's ditched us. I think it will be a draw, if I'm going to be honest. I think two teams... Nothing really to play for, like you said earlier, Brighton looking potentially to go in the top half of the table for the first time. Um, I think their record points, I'm right in saying, is 41. This yeah, Brighton's, season. yeah. So, yeah, so they're already on 40. So yeah. they're having a good season. Um, like I said earlier, I, I gave Grand Potter a little bit of stick saying that he's not, he, he wasn't an unbelievable manager that people are saying. He's a good manager in the Premier League, but he's proven again the Arsenal and Spurs results that, that he, can, he can beat big teams. Okay, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Uh, game day returns uh, this Saturday, 12.30. Arsenal against Manchester United. All the talk will be about Eric Ten Hag. He is the new Manchester United manager. It was announced at uh, 12 minutes past 11 on uh, on Thursday afternoon. Manchester United saying they're delighted to announce him on a contract until June 2025. It's a three-year deal with an option to extend for a further year. Um, they talked a lot about you know, leading up to his appointment. They had a lot of conversations with him. They're deeply impressed with his long-term vision for the returning Manchester United to the level we want to be competing at and the drive and determination to achieve that. Ten Hag has been saying it's a great honour to be appointed the manager of Manchester United. I'm hugely excited by the challenge ahead and boy is it a challenge. I know the history of this great club and the passion of the fans and I'm absolutely determined to develop a team capable of delivering them the success they deserve um, he is going to just uh, try and finish his commitments at Ajax before he moves to Manchester United in the summer but it is confirmed now he's going to be the new boss I'm sure Crook will be absolutely delighted about that for a couple of weeks uh, we'll be back on uh, Monday morning when you wake up reviewing all of the weekend's action remember if you download the TalkSport app you can flick through the two stations TalkSport and TalkSport 2 this weekend where not only have we got loads of football action for you later on Saturday night we've got Fury against White The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.